In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Eternal Father, you called St. Philip the Evangelist to open his mouth and begin with Scripture, tell the good news of Jesus Christ. By virtue of our baptism, we too are called to work for the salvation of souls. Instill in our hearts the zeal of St. Philip, that we may convert hearts and minds to your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. To the St. Philip Institute podcast, where we talk about um, how to live the Catholic faith and teach it to people you encounter, to your family members, friends, other Christians, people of other religions or denominations, and even atheists. Uh, I am one of your hosts today. My name is Mickey Seba, and I am the Seasons of Infancy and Initiation Specialist here at the Institute. Uh, my co-host. I'm Deanna Johnston. I'm the Director of Family Life for the Institute. All right, and so today we're going to get very real and very practical about family life. <laughs> um, parenting is hard. On today's episode, we're going to talk about how to teach the faith to your kids, how to empower parents to teach the kids the faith. Um, and we're going to do that by looking at our own baptismal call to um, live out our role as priest, prophet, and king. And we'll sort of explain what all that stuff is as the podcast goes on, but uh, I feel like I do need to give a disclaimer that I am not an expert. <laughs> uh, even though my job title says specialist, I feel like it's like surviving and right. trying to do my best. I hear you, director of family life, uh, yeah, right? <laughs> living it, learning it. <laughs> right. We are works in progress. Um, but I just want to start off this episode by just saying like, first, family life is hard. Amen. Um, it can, it's a blessing. Yes. Um, and there are many joys, but there's also challenges and things just happen. Happen, right? With kids, it's like there's not, like when you plan something, the plans get broken. And then something else comes and you just have to readjust. And right. um, just raising kids to keep them safe right. is hard. Right, right. And it's easy to get discouraged as a Catholic parent because you think, like, okay, I, I baptize my kids. We go to Mass on Sunday. We're trying to pray together as a family. I'm checking all the boxes. Why is this still so hard? Yeah. <laughs> why, why aren't my kids glowing little saints right now? Right. I know. And I don't know if you feel the same way, but especially someone who's in ministry, sometimes yeah. I feel this extra, like, Pressure. Um, okay, I'm like the I'm like the youth formation person. So if my youth, my kids aren't getting it, I know, but. I know. Um, and uh, but yeah, so just raising good, respectful kids is hard, but right. raising faithful, holy kids, I think, is even harder. Right. Right. Um, and especially in a world now that is not not enthusiastic or supportive, and maybe even sometimes yeah. hostile. Yeah. Uh, towards the Catholic faith. And our our little ones ha are in a world where we have to sort of teach them to be counterculture. And that can be really challenging and discouraging. Uh, and the fight can be draining mm -hmm. and exhausting. Mm -hmm. So today it's going to be very practical. We're going to talk about our role as uh, fulfilling our role as priest, prophet, and king and what that means, but give very practical advice about what we can do. Um this is definitely not, um, like, we don't have to tackle all of the things, <laughs> right? Uh, but just the idea that if there's something that um, 
just maybe take some notes on the practicals as we go through them throughout this episode and try to implement small things. But if you try to do everything at once. Right. And also recognizing that every family is different. And Mm -hmm. so what works for Mickey's family may not work for my family in this particular season. Um, Or yeah, just being willing to try different things because again, it can be so easy to get discouraged or to just say, well, I can't, I can't do that, or I, I don't have a master's in theology, or I don't have a child psychology degree, or um, <laughs> or there, we. I think we can look at ourselves as parents sometimes and not give ourselves enough credit mm-hmm. um, that God really has empowered. I know we've talked about that in other episodes too, but that God has given us what we need to do the job that he has given us. He's entrusted these uh, incarnate beings <laughs> to us <laughs> and with all of their their different personalities. And mm. we hear constantly about parents being the primary teachers of the faith and that we're called to be this domestic church. And that can be overwhelming or we can, again, just going back to feeling like we can't do a lot of things where we're not doing it perfectly, but hopefully we can just encourage you to to try different things mm-hmm. um, and just find what works best for your family and your situation. Yeah. So, and I think it might be helpful if we tell our audience a little bit about the dynamics of our precious little children. Oh, yeah. Right? So ages. So um, Dan and I are in, in different seasons. Um, hers are... Let's I see. think your oldest is the same age as my youngest. Yes, so almost five. My son just turned three, and he is every bit a three-year-old <laughs> and every bit a little boy. Um, and then my youngest is 15, 15 months, 15, 16 months. I don't know. She's the third child, but she's 15 <laughs> or 16 months. And then we have number four on the way. Wow, so busy, busy home. Mass is fun. I bet. <laughs> I bet. So mine are a little older. So um, I have two nine-year-olds, nine-year-old daughter, a nine-year-old son, and then my youngest is a four-year-old. So there definitely is some reprieve that happens when your older ones can be a little bit more self-sufficient. Um, so yeah, so we are in different seasons and again, what Deanna said, what works for things in our family may not work for hers just because of the dynamics and we haven't even reached the preteen or teenage (laughs) age. So we may have to do a special episode, uh, right? I'm talking to someone who sort of gone through and survived that, right? (laughs) that part. Um, so a lot of the things that we're going to get talk about aren't just for little kids though I think it's sort of the creating this culture understanding what our baptismal call is um, and implementing some of those things into our family life so I just want to read a quote from um, the Catechism of the Catholic Church 783 um, and it talks about how Jesus Christ is the one whom the Father anointed with the Holy Spirit and established as priest prophet and king is where it's important for us. The whole people of God participates in these three offices of Christ and bears the responsibility for mission and service that flow from them. Uh, parents, we have a unique responsibility for introducing this mission to our children, but it also means that we have to have a good handle on it ourselves. As baptized Catholics, all of us have been anointed to share in these three missions of Christ's priest, prophet, and king. So we're just going to dive right into that um, today. But I I remember when, um, you know, we were praying so hard to have a baby and we couldn't wait to be parents. And then once we were parents, you're holding this precious being in your hands and you're like, oh, wait, 
<laughs> like it's real. I, now I have to really yes. take care of yes. this little person. Absolutely. Uh, the idea that, uh, and to understand that our children are basically on loan from mm-hmm. God to us. Like they're mm-hmm. not really ours. Um, I mean, the, that's easy to forget. Yeah, <laughs> it's very easy to yeah. forget. Um, and sometimes I'm like, okay, this is this is God's child, like this soul that has been created now that is eternal. You know, we have become collaborators with God in the the creation of life and the raising of this child of these children. And um, I know sometimes for me, the idea of like that keeps running through my head is like, just don't screw this up. <laughs> like God is. <laughs> I mean, right. this, the um, the seriousness of the call of like God's like this is my kid. Good luck. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I want them to be presented to me, you know, in the same way that I gave them to you, mm. pure and holy saints. Saints. Yeah. Um, and that is one tall calling. <laughs> right. And I remember when my when my oldest was born, um, re- there was this, this moment of realizing. She isn't like pre-programmed to, to know Jesus. Like she doesn't, she, she doesn't automatically know the sign of the cross. She, mm-hmm. All these little bitty things that I think I had taken for granted yeah. as a cradle Catholic. Like no, my parents had to teach me all of these things. So realizing like we have this unique role to to pass on those little treasures of the faith. Yep. So let's start getting into those into those sort of very practical. So uh, if we're all called to to participate in the priesthood of Christ. What that what does that mean? Um, I just want to make a sort of a distinction here. You know, that you have the ministerial priesthood, which mm-hmm. is like your ordained priest. Mm-hmm. We are not that. Right. The laity is not that. Nope. But we do share in what's called the common priesthood. Mm-hmm. And on a very basic level, like what is a priest? A priest is the mediator between God and humans. Um, it is the priest that offers sacrifice on behalf of others. And as a member of the common priesthood, I'm not doing that sacrifice at the altar like the ministerial priest is. But I am called to bring God to my children and and bring my children to God. And I'm also called to make sacrifices on behalf of my family, Mm. behalf of my children. Um, what, what provides me comfort is that God, he has already supplied every grace and spiritual blessing that's necessary for us to do right. this. Right? right. So, and one of those things, it's not so much of like reinventing the will as it is rediscovering the calling and all of the things that God has given to us, because it's not like, yes, he gives you this child, but he doesn't say, say good luck. He's like, I have everything that you need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything that mm-hmm. you need for these saints in the making, right, right, is here for you. And we just have to um, rely and, and trust that, okay, let me rediscover the beauty of what the church has to offer. Um, and we don't have to go look and be super creative and go all these different places. Right. Like right. God has given it. He has provided. And so just trusting mm-hmm. and knowing that those things are there for us. So, um so what can we do? And I, when I think of this, I, I do compare it to like what we encounter when we go to a church, mm-hmm. right? Because that's where most of us have the experience of the ministerial priesthood, right? Um, so almost the idea of like having your home, a place where, where you and your kids can encounter Christ daily. I mean, when we go to church, we understand that we are going to encounter Christ, right? right? In right. his word, in the <clears throat> sacrament of the Eucharist, and the sacrifice of the Holy Mass. Um, and so any way that we can 
bring that environment into our own home. So, um, and something that might even be a good exercise is if your kids are at an age where they can like point to things at a church and recognize certain things, um, you can just say, okay, we're just going to go in. I'm going to give you five minutes to just look around. And then what did you see? You know, what's here? What reminds you of God? I make a list of that. And then all of those things, see if you can incorporate that into your home. Kids are very physical and we know this, right? They notice things. um, And so... I would say one of the first things to do to serve as that sort of priesthood character, right, um, in your home is try to mimic just the look of a church if you can, even if it's just a small corner in your home, right, that we have a designated spot where we are going to encounter God Mm. in prayer, in his word. Um, I've heard of some people, they actually have like a closet (laughs) dedicated to like prayer um we have a little um side table where we have like statues and a bible and um a crucifix but those very visual things speak volumes to our kids very much so because they notice things right um and having those very visible that visible presence of the sacred in your home i think um teaches more than what we know Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I don't don't know if y'all have like a little home altar or like a prayer space. Yeah, we're we're working on that right now. (laughs) But y'all just moved too. (laughs) We just moved to a new house. Um, But we have um, one of those uh, friend, what is it, the the Cross of St. Francis, um, if the name of it is. Is it San Damiano? San Damiano? I think so. Yes. (laughs) Say it with confidence, right? Someone's probably screaming it into their, <laughs> their iPhone right now. Remember, we are works in progress. Right, exactly. Um, but we have that cross. And I, one thing I really appreciated when we when we moved was um, my husband took some stuff over to the house before moving day. And that was the first thing that went into our house was our San Damiano cross, our crucifix. And then we have um, – I love being Catholic because you've got all the, the smells and bells mm-hmm. and the physical things. Um but we've got little statues that people have given us, like one of the Sacred Heart. Um, and our kids will, <laughs> they're little, so I think this is okay. Um, when we do have family prayer time, sometimes like Simon will just ask to hold Jesus. And so Jesus gets some extra snuggles during, <laughs> during awesome. family prayer. Um, or they, they just know, even though they may not be able to articulate the theology behind all of mm-hmm. these different items, but they know that a rosary is used for prayer. They know that we have these saints that we intercede for us, and that's why they're up on our, our mantle, because uh, those are our, some of our family patron saints. Um, and we're, we're trying to incorporate a little bit more of that into our home, like having things like sacred art, mm-hmm. um, to because we've noticed that our kids are very visual, or they, they connect with with the visual yeah. things. I think that's, I mean, that's what little kids do. Um, and that's, that has been something that's been really helpful for us as far as connecting the concept of we're asking mama Mary to pray for us. Here's mama Mary right yeah. here. Um, right. and if that means giving mama Mary a kiss, um, before bed or the sacred heart, um, like teaching them to venerate things 
just within the home. And then when we mm-hmm. do get to mass and they're like, oh, well, there's big mama Mary over <laughs> right. there on the side altar um, or there's Jesus on the crucifix. Um, then those, yeah, those concepts really, really Yeah, connect. and it's not foreign, right? It's not a right. foreign concept. So going right. into the church should not be this like, like where are we? What, what's going on? Right. You know, that they already have this um, idea of the sacred. I know one of the things that we do is um, – because we feel like we need lots of help, <laughs> but trying to really establish the sacred time. So we'll light candles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We even have this very small intense burner. Um, nice. Uh, that has like a fire hazard in our house. <laughs> it maybe has turned it because like they want to hold it and Sam likes to see the the smoke go up. And um, but I think it has like the pictures of the, the 12 apostles on nice. there. Um, and so we really like from the moment we start our family prayer time, we try to do anything we can that's like more ceremonial or something that's like we're distinctly setting this time aside. So we'll light the candles. Nice. Not all the time when do we do the incense, but we try. Um, and I, I don't remember who started this, if it was my husband or my children, but um, one of my sons wanted, really wants to, well, they both want to be an altar server. And um, so my husband made a mo- just a wooden cross out of these like mm-hmm. poles and um, and then they started doing a procession after we pray. And it imitates the closing procession nice. at Mass, right? They're like, okay, we want to do this. And so that has become part of our family prayer yeah. um, where we sing a song and <laughs> process around our little house. Nice. Um, but I, I think, again, I can't remember. I think one of the kids may have initiated that. But they do when they see it at church. Um, I think the great thing with kids is like um, because they are so innocent, Right, they see these things at church, and then they'll imitate that. Right, and um, and now it's become a a family tradition. Process around the house. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, let me ask you a question. Sure. Um, because I know for for me or or parents of young kids, like we see families like y'all who have these really great traditions, or you know, doing the procession or having a sacred space. How did y'all move into doing that? Because I know for us, like we've got we've got our our littles. We'll have four Mm -hmm. under the age of five in January. Um, and so the idea of putting candles out is. Slightly terrifying, because um, Simon is all boy, like I said. Um, or, yeah, like how did you how did you guys transition into to growing into that? So, I, so I'm glad that you said growing into that because, like, when we first um, when we had our first child, it wasn't like this is what we're gonna do. Like, we definitely grew in our um, in our family prayer time and our time together with God. Um, and we always like sometimes most of the time it would we'd pray by their bedside or maybe we wouldn't pray at all. And, um, and again, it was a gradual thing for us. And we're like, you know, we really feel like we should separate this. And I think for us, it was just this, um, evolving of the idea of family prayer. Um, and so we just started instituting things. Um, and then sometimes it does not work. (laughs) Right, like we'll light candles and the kids want to hold it. And my middle son has an amazing gift of like somehow blowing it out accidentally in the first like two seconds. And so all during prayer, he's like, oh, my candle, you know. Um, And so sometimes it's just messy and it's not calm. Right. Uh, And I think that that is something I had to learn is that I would spend so much time of our family prayer correcting the kids because they do need to learn proper posture, you know. 
But then I was like, what am I teaching them? Am I teaching them that posture is most important or am I trying to teach them connecting with God is most important? Because even though I was trying to correct them to orient them to God, they see mommy not orienting herself towards God. Does that make sense? And so I don't think there was just like a moment mm-hmm. when um, we're like, okay, this All is it. All of a sudden it. everyone was perfectly behaved. Right. The and time. it's still yeah. not the case, right? But, we, um, but we've just established this. We have a little um, – it's an exercise mat, but it's our prayer mat. When nice. it's time to pray, we just roll it out and we do kneel. So we kneel at family time. Now, sometimes the kids don't kneel. Sometimes like, oh, my knee hurts. I can't, I can't do it, you know. And we've learned to not, like, make a big deal of it. Like, right. you're going to kneel no matter what, you know. Right. They do need to learn the idea of, like, sacrifice, yeah. right? Like um, a good Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Um, and so for us, it's just that discernment, like, when do we, like, okay, push forward. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that I would tell my kids is, like, just give God the best that you have. And if your mm. knee really hurts right now and the best that you can give God right now in your attention is to sit and give him attention, like, okay. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, because whether they kneel or sit at that moment is not going to, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Right. Make or break Right. Their the spiritual mo- life. Right. So, <laughs> right. um, so for us, it's just been like, what, um, cause it was getting too important too, where like prayer time was just, it was an exercise of frustration for everybody. Right. Like there was not, it felt like the moment that we were trying to connect with, with Christ for greater peace in our home is when it was like chaos. Every, like they're getting off of the prayer mat or they're like fighting over the candle mm-hmm. or they're already fighting over who's going to hold the processional cross before we even started our prayer, um, you know, or someone blew yeah, someone else's yeah. candle out on purpose. And, you know, it's just it becomes a battlefield. Right. <laughs> right. But there can be prayer within the chaos. Yeah. Of, and that, that's encouraging to hear because. Yeah, like in our in our current season, it's hit or miss. Like sometimes we can have these really nice prayer moments. Like oh, everyone's getting it. Like we're we're doing it right. Right. <laughs> they've got half the sign of the cross down. This is great. But then other times, it's like stop trying to <laughs> drop kick your sister right. in the head during prayer. Right during <laughs> prayer. What is this? Um, but yeah, just knowing that that the little things that we mm-hmm. do that. Even if someone's wandering around or, or not fully engaged and, you know, being a little Padre Pio mm-hmm. um, with the family, that the most important thing is that we're making that effort right. to, to pray together as a family. Um, and I think sort of whatever form it takes, the idea of being consistent with it um, really teaches the kids. So like the idea of habituation, like something becoming a habit. So um, if you've been able to establish a regular, consistent 30-minute, everyone's kneeling, prayer time with your kids, awesome. I would love to hear from you because that's not how it is at our house. Um, But every night we do pray. Yeah. Um, Now, sometimes, of course, situations, um, you know, like if we're coming back from a friend's house on a weekend and the kids are falling asleep in the car, we're like, okay, let's do our prayer in the car. Um, Some of them might fall asleep, but the idea that they're – the, what they're understanding is that there's not a moment, a day that goes by that we are not going to be uniting together in right. prayer. Right. Um, and so so I think that that habit is really important. So wherever you start, um, make sure like to really just incorporate that daily. Right, right. Because um, you do start to see the fruits of that. And mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like we're, we're just starting to see some of that what we've been trying to do for these first, you know, four and a half years of parenting, 
um, when my daughter was, my oldest daughter was about nine months old when we would get in the car to go somewhere was take, to take her to, to daycare or we were just traveling um, in the car. Um, we would um, pray the Hail Mary and then we'd do our litany of saints, uh, sort of like the, the patron saints for our family. And it was a few months ago that we we were doing this, and she led the litany. All of a sudden, she's just naming saints. And I, I didn't realize that she was picking up on that. Yeah. And then even with my son, he, although he's he is three um, <laughs> and all Simon, um, he, he's starting to, to say saints' names, and it may not be as articulate as when Alexandria says it. And with Elena, the youngest, she's um, – she, when we say, okay, it's time to pray, she'll tap her forehead three times or <laughs> smack herself in the head because yeah. she knows, like, okay, we're going to do something. And it's the, the beginnings of the side of the cross. But it's like, okay, they're noticing something. Yeah. And that's really encouraging to mm-hmm. see, like, okay, they may not be able to pray the Salve Regina perfectly, <laughs> but <laughs> but they recognize certain prayers that we yeah. do consistently as a family. And that will bear fruit. It will. <laughs> it will. Yeah. That the whole idea that this is important enough to us as a family and right. they pick up on that importance. Right. right. Um, and like in other visuals that we have, like we have holy water at our house. We have a, you know, and sometimes the kids just go crazy. Like they'll just walk through the house and they're just like sprinkling Baptize everything. everything. And I'm like, man, <laughs> what's spilled here? And then my, my middle son's like, holy water. And he's just, he's doing it in the same spot. So he's like a puddle of holy yeah. water. I'm like, thanks, man. That's awesome. Thank you for blessing our whole house. Yes. Um, but yeah, so that's what we do. We try to look at images that are in the church and then in as much as we can incorporate that. Um, into our home but also like knowing that when we go to church we also read scripture right the whole liturgy of the Mm -hmm. word um that and this is something that my husband and i have identified like we need to do more of this is really breaking open the word for our kids um and doing that on a more habitual basis like we do really good during like the bigger seasons like advent oh yeah um we did this like um jesse tree uh, last year, the kids loved it. They learned all these stories, and I felt like super mom. But right after Advent was over, it was like, where, wait, where did our scripture go? Right, right. <laughs> you know, right. but one of the things that have a Bible, have it in a prominent place. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you don't pick it up every day, although we should, um, but hopefully it'll be a reminder like, oh, I need to get to that. I need to get to that. You know, so just having those things um, and not, again, not to get discouraged because we're like, just this past weekend, we were at a conference and we we're like, oh, yeah, we, we need to do a better job of praying praying the scripture with our kids. Um, so you're just always learning those sorts of <laughs> exactly. things. Exactly. Parenthood. <laughs> right. Um, all right. Oh, and one last thing about the whole priesthood thing um, is to also, like, avail yourself to the use of the sacraments. Absolutely. Um, and um, and even, even if your kids aren't at an age yet where um, they can receive the sacrament of reconciliation or the Eucharist um, go to mass every Sunday you know we're supposed to um, but parents go to confession regularly Mm -hmm. and it's okay to if you go as a family um, to take your non um, like if they're not at the age yet but to bring them in the church give them a little book to look at but just the visual of them seeing that you're going um, and they know that like my you know my parents win every month Mm -hmm. Uh, and so that's one of those things that 
is where God's grace comes to us. We encounter the mercy and the grace of God and the sacrament. So um, have a sacramental life in your home. All right. So that was about the priesthood, participating in the common priesthood. And so what about our prophetic role? Mm. Uh, And I know sometimes, first let's talk about what a prophet is. Mm. So a prophet is a messenger um, of God's word, someone who proclaims God's truth. Um, I mean, I think sometimes when we think of prophets, we think of like some people that God has specifically called, you know, we can probably name some of the prophets from scripture, but we think that that role is just for a few. Yeah. But we've all been baptized. For any baptized Catholic, we are all called to be prophets. Um, And as parents, realizing that your prophetic voice, like the first place your kids encounter the gospel is in your home. Like that's powerful. Or I mean, it should be in the home. Because it's what you said, that you realize like, oh, she doesn't just know about Jesus. Like it's my job to teach her. Exactly. Um, So your home is like this mission field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. that is high priority time mm-hmm. for using your prophetic voice. You're bringing all of these truths to your children for the very first time. Absolutely. Um, and the great thing about kids is they um, they learn very quickly, mm-hmm. <laughs> very mm-hmm. quickly. <laughs> and sometimes if I misspeak the first time, it could be on anything. Um, they'll think they'll re- remember that very first, yeah. yeah, the very first time. <laughs> right. Um, so, so learning that that your home is a is a great mission field to profess the truth of Christ. Absolutely. I think sometimes we might feel a little hesitant because like I don't really know. I don't really know what all the truth is. Right. So I would say the first thing to do is first just be open to how God wants to speak to you, um, and through you, but also educate yourself in the faith. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of adult faith formation things out there. There are books galore um, about teaching kids or even just growing in your own knowledge. Um, And so you cannot give your kids what you don't have. Like you can't share God's truth if you don't know God's truth. Right, right. So so learn learn those things. Yeah. Um, Especially if you know that there's an area of church teaching that you're not really familiar with or that you struggle with. Mm -hmm. Tackle that one, right? Um, So that you can better explain it. Because if you have some sort of difficulty of confusion there it's most likely that there's a lot of people who do as well right, right. <laughs> so learning how to like learn that and then articulate mm-hmm. articulate those things mm-hmm. but even if you're you feel like you don't have the book knowledge um that's okay because our, our kids do learn a lot by our example mm-hmm. our example is the best teacher i remember the first time um this is not one of my finer moments when one of my children was speaking to another child correcting them on some behavior and I'm like oh she's not saying that very kind and then it hit me like yeah they got that from (laughs) me it's like you see yourself in in the kids Uh, but but just they learn by your example exactly so even if you don't know all the different forms of prayer if your kids see you praying, that mm-hmm. witness is powerful. Absolutely. Even if they can't explain transubstantiation or what the Eucharist is or what confession or absolution is or mercy, if they see you going, like that's probably the most powerful example that, that parents can give exactly. to their kids. Exactly. And we see uh, like throughout the catechism and just the church really emphasizes the the domestic church and the church as or as the the family as the first church mm-hmm. and that's the first mission field 
And I mean, that speaks to everything that you're, you're saying, like, that's where the gospel is proclaimed first. Our, our children's first encounter with God or the love of God is through us. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, I was looking at, uh, some, just some quote, jump all the second, just had, so good, so good, (laughs) so, so good. And some beautiful, beautiful documents just talking specifically on the family. Um, but it was in, I think it's an encyclical, um, Evangelium Vitae. He talks about the family as a domestic church and called to proclaim the gospel of life. As the domestic church, the family is summoned to proclaim, celebrate, and serve the gospel of life. And he goes on and talks about, you know, the role of married couples and being open to life and, and all this. But throughout that, he's he's just emphasizing how the family proclaims the gospel. Mm-hmm. Like just in just in our, our family life, we're proclaiming <laughs> the gospel between dirty diapers and questionable mass behavior sometimes, <laughs> right? But like just in the the messiness of family life, we're yeah. proclaiming the gospel. And we have these opportunities to to lead our children to an encounter with Christ, but that's also a witness to, to other families yeah. as well, or it can be a witness to other families. Um, and so we should take encouragement in that, that we, that this prophetic role, um, that God has given us this, this grace to, to not only proclaim this to our children, but that hopefully by striving to be a holy family, we're, we're taking that out into the world. Yeah, well. one, and I do think because the the life that God calls us to as individuals and as families in the path to holiness is mm-hmm. so different than our secular world yeah. that it's it's yeah. easy to it's easy to recognize, even though the appreciation may not always be there right. amongst everyone. It's right. easy to recognize the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I I do think some people are like oh, well, they seem joyful, they seem happy mm-hmm. that there's. Mm-hmm. Um, something that different. Different, yeah. Yeah, and I, that it, it almost seems like that's something that we are called to teach our, our children is that there should be something different about our family because we're trying to live our Catholic faith. Yeah, and sometimes that's going to mean we're not we're not very popular or they're not or um because it is like you said it's just it's very countercultural. the mm-hmm. message the gospel message is very countercultural. yeah and the things that our children are going to encounter i, I, just, I know yeah i try not to think about it too much because i'm like ah. right right um yeah but too, and i think too um I and mean, even if you do, like when you read scripture, even reading about the prophets, I mean, they've already heard of some, like mo- I mean, most of the little ones, if they've gone to like CCD or vacation Bible school, they can mm-hmm. tell you about Moses or Noah, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but even letting them know that like there are many prophets, including Jesus, who weren't welcome in their own right. home, right? right? That their message was unpopular and, and um, not trying to scare your kids, but also give them reality right. that, okay, when you start proclaiming, not everyone is going to be receptive and really learning to teach your children how to stand up for what is true, mm. um, to be able to articulate the truth. Mm-hmm. And the best place where they can feel comfortable and safe doing that should be in the home. Right. 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 Um, where they are learning how to proclaim either by their words or their actions, God's mercy, his love, um, and that's really important. And I, I think, especially if you have younger kids, I think one a great way to start um, teaching them how to use their prophetic voice is um, maybe read a story out of Scripture together mm. and then have them retell it in their own words. 
Um, and that's just a way where they're learning. So they're hearing from God's word. And then in this hopefully um, sacred space that you yeah. created in your home, they feel comfortable retelling the story. And mm-hmm. that's a um, hopefully a less intimidating environment for them to practice um, using their prophetic yeah. voice. Yeah. No, and it, it almost sounds like you're what you're you're pointing to is the family is like the school of virtue and that, that that's a yeah, we're teaching we're teaching our children how to to live the faith but by growing in the virtues and I know um like our our kids go to to Catholic schools mm-hmm. or um the one of mine does and they pick up on these words like <laughs> like Alexandria was saying the other day like Simon's not being very courteous I'm like oh, oh good my word good word that's so funny <laughs> last month there was affability and so my youngest told my one of the others he said you're not practicing affability. <laughs> like, what? What does that mean? I need to look that up. And he goes, it means don't be rude. <laughs> nice. But they nice. do. Yeah. But And that's the good thing, too, to, to realize that um, they were learning that that virtue the whole month. Mm-hmm. Right? And they do. Again, that, that habit of learning, the habituation of it, they pick up on those things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, my, my little four-year-old using affability. Affability. And Yes. Yes. (laughs) But they absolutely do pick up on those things. Yep. All right. So now let's move to the last sort of um, of the missions, um, our kingly mission. I sometimes, yeah. Yes. I'm a king (laughs) or queen. Um, Yes. Because I know when we think of a king, we think of someone who has authority um, over a certain population or area. Um, And yes, parents uh, very much do have role. Well, they should <laughs> over the policies and the rules of their right. home. Um, but to really understand, like, but what does that Christ was king. Mm-hmm. Christ is the king of kings. Mm-hmm. But what kind of king was he? Mm-hmm. And so understanding what our kingly mission looks like, you really need to understand what Jesus's kingly mission looked like. Um, and uh, we know that Jesus was not a dictator. He right. was not a tyrant. Um, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus himself says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus came and made himself a servant to all. And so understanding like who Jesus is as king, um, and what his reign, what his role consisted of can mold parents into molding their children into that same mission. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I want to, um, really encourage is that a family that is rooted in service to God and its members, um, is a kingly family because Jesus was, um, a servant, right? Right. But at the same time, there is importance, especially when they're little and I guess in teenage years, right? There, there is, um, an obligation that parents have of establishing the role of the home. Mm Mm-hmm. And this, for me, this I think where it gets a little bit more challenging, especially as the kids get older, um, because I think when they're younger, as long as you lay out the expectations, and even if they break it, they're like, "Oh, but this is what, mm-hmm. what this we expect." What There's not does, tons yeah. of rebellion, right? Um, or I guess intentional rebellion. Like they might have moments of uh, like passion where they're upset about something <laughs> and they break the rules of like right. not hitting or not being rude. Um, but I think as kids get older, it's that more like intentional, like 
disdain for the mm-hmm. rules mm-hmm. Um, and the rebellion in like an intentional action out against right. that, right? A right. sort of premeditated action right. <laughs> against those things. Um, so any way that parents can establish the rule in their home is really important. And so having those conversations um, between the mom and the dad, right, about what are the rules of this home? What are the right. um, what are the expectations? What um, kind of behaviors? What are the rules of this house? Because those rules really act as guidelines, as a parameters exactly. for everything else that we've been talking about. Um, because the, the environment that you establish in your home is important. Mm-hmm insanely important um and our children are going out into a world that has a very strong influence mm-hmm. so building that that culture in your home is of the utmost importance and so right. establishing very clear guidelines and roles and expectations and and showing them that okay but we're doing this not because we want you to be miserable right right so that right. they can see that connection to we're doing this because it leads us closer to holiness. Right. It leads us closer it's to the heart of, of Jesus. It's all yeah. Of, like how God loves us. He gives us rules and guidelines, and it's not because he wants our lives to be miserable, but because he wants us to be happy. <laughs> right. And, then if, and if you think about all of the, if you want to call them like girl, rules and guidelines that, that Christ gave us, all of them orient us to the two great commandments, mm-hmm. right? To love God above all else and to love your neighbor as yourself. Yep. All of them orient us to that. Mm -hmm. And so um, knowing that how we as parents govern our home, it should orient our kids to Christ. Everything, right? All of our roles, all of our expectations should orient our kids towards that ultimate goal of union with Christ. And so sometimes it's even like reevaluating like, okay, what is this role that we've set in place? What is this guideline? Is it... Is it Christ oriented? Right. Right. Um, and sometimes there's some adjustments that need to me to be made. Um, but as parents, because children, their their brains aren't fully developed. I think until it's like 25, right, or something like that, right. <laughs> um, so well, by, by the time they're out of your house, but even in those very formative years, um, it is a parent's obligation to do their best to remove any obstacle that is obstructing their child's view of Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, in a culture where there's lots of things and all of those distractions are very pervasive and mm-hmm. very present, mm-hmm. um, it's going to mean some super tough decisions, especially Absolutely. later on. Absolutely. Um, and working with high school kids for, um, so, so I taught high schoolers for 11 years. Some of the things that I saw them getting into in, in um, so social media, right. TV, right. music, and even their peer groups, those seem to be the biggest issues. Um, but those are also the biggest influencers right. of their thought, of their actions, right. of their decisions. Right. And so I think parents have to prepare themselves um, to make those tough decisions about right. what are we going to allow into our home in terms of pop culture, society, so music and movies, um, friend groups, yep. um, technology, right. and recognizing Yes, benefits out there, but also recognizing the dangers and like, okay, is it worth, you know, the risk benefit, is it worth bringing that into our home? Right. And does it orient us towards God? Exactly. And I 
I hear this often, but people will say things like, you know, if, if you are not intentionally forming your children, the world's going to do it. Mm -hmm. And that that's the battlefield. And it, it's a very strong statement to hear, but you know, the enemy does not love your kids. No. <laughs> he, he hates them. He, yeah. Um, and he hates the family. And so recognizing that we are as, as priest, prophet, king, we're stepping onto the battlefield mm -hmm. really. And, and marriage and family life, this is a, it is a battlefield, but yeah, well, you're, everything you're saying, it, it's, it's really like equipping our kids to, for battle, yeah. <laughs> much like a, a king would, would need to be prepared right. uh, to do, but army. having that, having that order within the home, so, so important because if we don't provide that order, then the world is just going to form our kids and <laughs> into an order that's not of right. Christ. That's not of Christ. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that just brings, well, lots of disorder, right? right. Into our own souls and to right. the, the life of our families. Right. Um, but great care does need to be made in these decisions. Mm -hmm. um, and, and not one that parents should make swiftly. Um, you know, these sorts of things require prayer, mm -hmm. prudence, maybe counsel. Um, and because once you invite something into the life of your children, um, then if you find that like once that invitation has happened and it's come into your home, mm -hmm. then breaking from that, it's if hard. you find the need to do that is really hard. Right. So I think taking the time beforehand, like really thinking about what are those influences in our kid's life? Are they obstructing our kid's view of Christ? And if so let's not introduce that into our right. home right. Um, or let's deal with it right away. Cause if we think that those things that are already obstructing our kids view won't get worse. Um, if they can't clearly see Christ through this, um, then I feel like we're setting our kids up. Um, Absolutely. Not in, not in the role of like sainthood, right? right. We're like, well, th this obstruction's okay. Right. You know, and really no obstruction right. is okay. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Purity of heart. Right. My mom always used the image of don't let Satan get his toe in the door. <laughs> like does <laughs> yeah. not even, not even a little bit. Just, yeah. Just keep it all out. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, and so, so creating that culture um, and as parents fulfilling our kingly mission, that is one way by, by establishing that routine, those guidelines, if you want to call them roles, right? Yeah. But the parameters, the way yeah. that your family, the people in this home are going to live out um, this faith in Christ. Um, but also the idea of like, do as I say, not as I do, mm -hmm. that's not a, um, it's that's not, not the way Christ our King worked, <laughs> right. right? He led by example, and that is what we need to do. Parents are called to lead by example. Right. Um, so participating in the kingship of Christ means imitating Christ's kingship, mm -hmm. which is one of mercy and right. love and sacrifice exactly. and prayer. Um, and so... I think one important part in um, the life of parents or any adult who has any children under their care is like, okay, well, what now is reigning in my soul? Mm. Who is the king of my life? Mm -hmm. Right? Um, and so really learning to deal with the reign of sin in your life, right? Um, reducing that, really allowing God's grace and holiness. <laughs> so if you're a parent who hasn't gone to confession in a while, don't be afraid. Go back right. like today. <laughs> be not afraid. Right. Be not afraid. <laughs> um, if you're away from the church for whatever reason, start taking this. So what, what can I do as an right. adult to be back in right. union with Christ's bride, right? The church right. so that I can better um, be sort of the kingly 
person for yeah. my kids that I need to be. Yeah. That reminds me of, and not to get super off topic, but it reminds me of just the importance of the father and mm-hmm. the spiritual life of the family and not to dis not to describe we're both moms we're both <laughs> wives we play an important role in the mm-hmm. lives of our of our children um but studies show i mean it's it's statistically proven i wish i had the exact numbers with me but there is a significant difference in children continuing to live the faith when dad's living mm-hmm. it yeah because if dad if dad doesn't go to mass or if you know if mom's if mom's catholic and dad's not um but she's bringing the kids to mass she's doing all the things statistically the kids are are significantly less likely to continue continue their catholic Mm -hmm. faith because dad wasn't doing it and i that's i mean that speaks to god's fatherhood i mean there's there's so much that you could go into yeah there but i mean for dads to really realize that the the, the impact that you have on your kids' spiritual lives is significant. Yeah, and really irreplaceable. Right, right. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're doing a daily holy hour or you're always going to daily mass or you're doing all these, like, really intense Catholic things. I mean, if you are, great. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's great because I, I know some some men are like, well, I can't, I can't do that. So, eh, yeah. you know, at least I'm going to mass on Sunday. Great. But – Children seeing their fathers praying, or mm-hmm. children seeing their their fathers and their moms praying together, that that speaks so much to like this is this is what our family is about. Yeah, and and if you know, dad's the leader of the family, and again, not discrediting the role of <laughs> the role of the mom. I think we both consider ourselves very strong <laughs> Catholic women. Yeah, um, but that that spiritual fatherhood that. Or just fatherhood and bringing in the spiritual life, if he is living it, mm-hmm. that I mean, yeah, that's that's a that men should be encouraged in that, yeah. even if it's just leading that daily prayer or um, making sure that you know the family's getting to mass. Just just little things that dads yeah. can do that that can really make a difference. Yeah, and even too like um, my husband is an amazing husband and father and spiritual leader of our home and um I feel like much of this success if that's what you want to call it of our kids are accredited to him and his mm-hmm. witness but he is um he's a man after God's heart and mm-hmm. our see our kids see that mm-hmm. um and like you said statistics do show that the influence of the father uh, and there's nothing that can replace that and um and so but again, in our culture, there's not tons of male figures, right? Uh, especially if someone hasn't had a great father, they may not know how to do right. that. And so right. um, I can't encourage um, you dads out there enough. Right? I wish there was a man talking about this because right. maybe it would be better received. <laughs> right. But to seek those men in your parish, to talk to your parish priest, yeah. because um, – I think from an early age, like girls, uh, you see little, little girls with a baby doll, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost as if that, that instinct is, um, is like natural to the girls, but, um, but boys have to, yes, they have all of this energy, but they really do have to be trained in manhood right. and growing right. into a holy man. And yes, we all do need certain training, but I don't know if right. it comes as naturally to young boys as it does to, to young girls. Um, and so be okay going to your parish and then and diving into those resources that your parish offers for um, spiritual formation and um, 
and talking to your priest and really mm-hmm. figuring out like, and I think a great question to ask is like, who is the king of my life? Um, and then like once, once you're really striving after like, okay, Christ is, um, that's only going to make the work that you do in your home yeah, more effective, more noticeable to the people in your household. Right. Absolutely. And I know we have to wrap up soon, but mm-hmm. I did want to ask, cause you're further down the, <laughs> the road oh. with, ki- <laughs> with kids. You've, you've been there, done that with a lot of things, but I know one, one big question for younger families especially, is in living out this priest, prophet, king. We know that the sacraments are a priority, and we've talked about that today, and Mm -hmm. the importance of going to Mass, the importance of doing things like adoration. Um, But I know for me, the thought of taking my four-year-old, my three-year-old, and my one-year-old to adoration Mm -hmm. is slightly terrifying. (laughs) And, man, I have some stories about going to Mass (laughs) with these kids, like – the time Simon just dropped his pants yeah. during Mass. Well, that's your like, like, it was the closing prayer, and he's what like, doing, all right, <laughs> I'm ready to go home. I don't know what he was thinking, uh, but we just looked down, and Simon's pants are like, okay, on man. the ground. Like, all right, naked without shame. That's fine. Great. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, what encouragement can you offer to, to families or even just um, – like, because I think the temptation sometimes is to say, well, I will bring my kids to mass when they're older. I'll right. bring my kids to mass when they can be super well behaved. Um, I'll bring my kids to mass when right. fill in the blank. So how do we overcome? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that um, I'm glad that you asked because that was actually sort of the into the chariot. That oh, I was, sorry. I was no, no, skipping, it's fine because it's time for into the chariot anyways. Um, and into the chariot is that time in our show where we sort of give give a practical takeaway. Um, and this is something, um, and this is just me and my experience. Um, I want my kids to know where they can go at any time when they have a problem. Mm-hmm. Mommy, I'm not always going to be there. Yeah. Daddy's not always going to be there, but Jesus is. So for me, it's been, um, and it, it is something that has increased over the years. It hasn't always been there. Um, and really, it's, I guess, within the past three years. Um, I want my kids to know to run to Jesus. Mm. So I bring them to um, an empty church or Eucharist adoration anytime that I can. And so most of the time it is quick. It's not, we're not in there like um, for a long time. Sometimes if we're going to be there a little bit longer, I'll let them bring a book. Mm-hmm. Um, one time we go in and I'm like, oh, they, it was peaceful going. And I'm like, this is great. And my kids, they like walk in, they genuinely like, oh, so good my little precious four-year-old walks up to the little kneeler in front of the monstrance and I'm I'm waiting for like pure beauty right (laughs) and my heart's just beaming and he steps up on the kneeler and he's looking at the monstrance I'm like oh I think he's praying he turns around and there's probably five or six other people in the adoration (laughs) chapel and he goes hiya as he jumps off the kneeler into the aisle and I was mortified my daughter thought it was hilarious so she's laughing and she's laughing and he's laughing and I'm like these people are like they're probably like why is she bringing her children and and I say that because that was not the last time I brought them um to know that like they're they're not gonna behave you have adults right right? think about it you have adults who don't behave in what should be you think social situations where they should know better right right our kids are not going to behave perfectly. And so if we wait for that, it's not going to happen. Right. So I think it's like, what do I want to teach my kids? 
do I want my do I want to teach my kids that they have to be perfect before they can approach Jesus? Mm. Or mm. do I want them to know that whether their life is messy or they're misbehaving or they're confused, that Christ is here? Mm. And so for me, that was something that that we we keep going. So I made a rule that whenever my kids ask, can we go to adoration, I never say no. Now, this means that they may ask right at bedtime. And I know it's not because they really want to go to adoration. It might be just to postpone bedtime. Right. Um, but I don't say no. Oh, that's awesome. Um, now, we go in our PJ. I mean, like, seriously, we do not look what the world would consider presentable right. for getting out. Right. Um, the kids go in their in their PJs and... Um, we may we drive there. We may sit for two like seriously two minutes, and then we leave. But, but I, you were there, right? But oh. I want them to know that's where you go. Yeah, that's where you go. I want them in the presence of Jesus. And for me, that's just been something that has resonated with me. So anytime I can, we we drop in. That right. Awesome. Even if it's just to say hi. Like yeah. and normally I'll just go through like a list. I'm like, okay, tell God something that you're thankful for. And normally they just say the same thing. Yeah. Um, who's someone that you want to pray for? Mm-hmm. And they're usually really goofy in their responses, but I'm like, um, and then tell Jesus you love him. And we blow him a kiss and that's it. Nice. And that's it. But I hope and I pray that that's something that sticks with them. Oh, for sure. For sure. So oh, I would beautiful. have to say just like go. Just go, and it's not going to be perfect, and you're going to be super embarrassed sometimes. <laughs> um, like I had one woman giving me like it, I thought it was like death looks, like a death stare, like why do you have your kids here, you know, um, because they were being loud and laughing, right. and I'm like, okay, I have all these spiritual books in their version, and they weren't doing any of it, and I'm like, Lord, I want them to love you, and then we right. left, <laughs> right? Yeah, and that what yeah. a beautiful prayer because that's I mean that's what we want for our kids. We want our kids to encounter the love of God. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole purpose of, of all of this. We're giving them back to God. So that's encouraging. So take our kids to, to adoration. Is that our? That's what I would do. Yeah. All right. um, Challenge accepted. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be long, right? If you yeah. have if you have resources you can bring with them that might get them a little occupied, that's fine. Um, but I would always say um, have them blow a kiss or yeah. say, I love you, you know? Yes. Um, because, I mean, really, even when my kids say they love me, I don't know if they really understand, like, what the that means. But they know that I'm there, that I'm there yes. to help them. And so making that connection, I think, is where I would start. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And it never grows old, and it should never be untrue. So yeah. So they can continue that from, like, birth to the grave. So, nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been really helpful for me <laughs> as a mom. <laughs> just Yeah, and just knowing that there are these very practical things that we can do now. We don't have to wait until they're yeah. 12 years old to start passing on the faith. Like just from birth, we can we can share it with them. Yeah, absolutely. And it's our job and obligation. <laughs> yep. And our calling. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, so go out absolutely. there, be priests, prophets, and kings um, in your homes. Amen. Um, very so good. So you want to tell them about... So yeah. other teams that we have in our podcast. Yes, yes. So um, Mickey and I uh, have shows together, which has been super fun, and you'll get to hear special guests that um, that we bring on uh, throughout the series. And uh, the other benefit of the podcast is that we've just got different voices that, mm-hmm. that will come on. So you'll hear from Bishop and Dr. Trasinkos, the executive director of the Institute. We've got Doug Berry and Father Braun. Um, someone described it as Mickey Indiana talk about woman stuff, and <laughs> Father Braun and Doug 
cover man stuff. So yeah. I'm sure it's a little more dynamic than that. But you get to hear these different voices. We'll talk about different topics. Um, but all of it is with the goal of helping you to live and to teach the Catholic faith uh, in whatever season of life that you're in. Uh, but please be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and of course our website, stphilipinstitute.org. Word on the street is that our website's getting a, a makeover soon. I so know. I know. I can't excited. wait to see what it looks like. Pretty excited about that. Um, but also we want to hear from you. Uh, that's a big part of the the, the podcast. So you'd, we'd love to hear your questions or just feedback. Um, and if you Future episodes will probably cover um, a lot of those things. So if you've got an idea for a future episode, you've got questions, you can email us at podcast at stphilipinstitute.org. And now we will close with an apostolic blessing from Bishop Strickland. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.